If you haven't signed up for the Discord channel, please do so uh, at MajorDomaMedia.com. There's a link that will take you to a Discord channel. If this sounds like deja vu, it's every week. I, I tell you guys, sign up. There is a great community waiting for your engagement, and we have wonderful discount codes to Cometeer Coffee any day, Roy's Panettone, and all things Momofuku available uh, with links. I'm not going to tell you that the discount codes are here. you got to go to our Discord channel, and I think you'll be amused and uh, entertained with a lot of the, the commentary and different ways to consume culture. And all things Momofuku... If you haven't tried our instant noodles, please do so. Uh, thank you very much. And our Chili Crunch whole assortment of salts and spices and condiments available places like Target and Whole Foods. And you can have that handy-dandy discount code uh, and use it at shop.momofuku.com and we can mail order it to you uh, for your Christmas presents. But um, we should get on to the show. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a very delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Doma Media. Thank you, Yolanda Tango, as always. Um, we went to Disneyland. Yes, we on did. The, one of the coldest days of the year in Los Angeles. And we went to Chris's Mecca. <laughs> you know, if Chris, if, if, if the Fellowship of the Ying became a cult, which it already is, and all cults are weird sex cults anyway, so I'll leave it to your imagination as to what kind of sex cult leader Chris Ying is. Please don't. But, you know, they always have some weird cult-like thing. All cults, right? Like, you can't be able to become a member unless you've slept with me by some okay. two degrees just, of separation. Just to be clear, this is not a requirement for admission into the Fellowship of the Ying. It is not. It's not op- yet. It's, I'm it's, just saying, read the bylines, everybody, before it's, you join. <laughs> it's not a requirement. It's a membership bonus. But similar to that occult-like thing that Chris is brewing is his love, the cult-like love for Disneyland. That's true. That's true. And we went. I'm not, I'm not a Disney adult. I'm not like a crazy, but it's like, it's, it's nostalgia. Noel and I've talked about it. It's nostalgia. And you don't have that nostalgia. Disney as a parent company, is our boss. That's <laughs> true. So I'm, true. I, I, all I'm going to say is I admire the hustle. I admire their ability to create a universe. It's genius, the flywheel that was created. Now it's even more genius as to why they bought Star Wars and why they bought um, Marvel. But also it's amazing to me that nobody's even tried to create a competitor to Disneyland. You know what I mean? 
I mean, you have Legoland to a degree and others. I, I don't even know what they might be, but to, th- to, to see this, when I see flywheel to come up with a, an idea, whether it's, you know, making animated stories on uh, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves or Bambi or whatever, and then you see it become merch and then become a ride and be, become ingrained in the cultural sort of zeitgeist of childhood nostalgia and then being able to monetize it is is like yeah. fucking crazy. I mean – but it's so like crazy. you said, like it's like you said, like the 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 real genius move of the last like 15, 20 years was like buying Marvel, buying, you know, every, every all, they, they bought if, if Disney is about nostalgia, which is what I said, like Disneyland is nostalgia, they bought all of our childhood memories. <laughs> Just for like let's yeah, buy the them person all. responsible for that was Bob Iger, um, who's now our boss again. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back Welcome to the back. offices. But it was strange. Disneyland. I, I just marvel, no pun intended, at its scope and its ability to just vacuum money from you in every facet. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> well, on the food level, right? Like we talked about this a little bit. We ate pizza from the, the alien pizza well, port. I, yeah, I downloaded, a, I downloaded the app and I wound up spending a lot more money than I thought just because like, why not? And uh we went with Chris's family, and uh, we brought just Hugo. Gus is a little too young, wasn't feeling great. And I was excited just to see Disneyland through Chris's eyes because he was, he was more excited than his kids. <laughs> he was pushing them out of the way to get in front of the line. It was a little fucked up. But. <laughs> I was like, Goofy, over here, over here, Goofy. Just shoving Ruby's face out of the way. Yeah, but this is the first time. I, I had been there before in the summertime, and it was just too hot to eat anything. Since it was cooler. And we spent a lot more time today or yesterday than, than I had before. A lot of food was consumed. We got there. First and foremost, Chris was like, my kids want a pretzel. I was like, BS, you want a pretzel. <laughs> it's true. It's true. My kids, my kids like expressed some vague, uh, vague hunger, and I, I leapt on the opportunity to buy some pretzels. It's true. And they were not good. Uh, that was my first Mickey Mouse pretzel. Not good at all. So we got t- we got Mickey Mouse pretzels, and then we got a jalapeno cheese stuffed one. We got two, and then I saw it, and then I backed out of mine. Yeah, he and ordered I just two took of a nug- nugget of of Chris's. <laughs> this was the low point of the day in terms of food. Uh, yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. It was like forty dollars of pretzels. Well, no, thirty some dollars. Then uh, I saw pizza. And I was like, oh, I want to get the pizza at Future World. It's like pizza, alien pizza port. It's from, from Toy Story. So I got a hack for you guys. Don't order the slices of normal pizza. Get the children's size. It's like $6.89 versus yeah. a slice of pepperoni, which is $8.99. And then you get more pizza for the child size. And you get a, a, some uh, carrots. An, or, an orange, a mandarin orange, and a water or a low-fat milk or chocolate milk. for It's a good value. It's probably the best deal in all of Disneyland. So I think you should pre-order that even if you're not a child. There, there is actually a funny – it's, it's funny because I, I saw – you because you ordered a slice. We ate the slice. We objectively decided it was terrible pizza, but our children were like super into it. So you went back and bought the kids' pizzas. They were cheaper for more food. But this is a phenomenon I have no, another genius stroke on on Disney Parks behalf is like 
And everything's expensive. Bad, they weren't bad. They weren't bad. It was like Domino's, but not. It was Domino's, Domino's. but less flavorful. <laughs> less flavorful. <laughs> but this is like a crazy thing. Like, as a, everything is expensive, obviously, but they do make like the children's meals cheaper, like sort of like relatively more affordable than anything adult. Anything adult is exorbitant, but like kids meals tend to be like sort of more reasonable. So I think that I think you landed on a good hack there because I've noticed this about Disney. I mean, it's almost a little bit like that Apple bump that they do in pricing. It's like, well, you can get this phone for 12 gigabytes, but uh, the memory is and processing is like the lowest. But if you can go to the 64, you know, memory, it's faster, but it's only $5 cheaper than the newest model. Right? Right. But then you go like, oh, man, we'll just buy it. It's $5 more. I want to buy the newest model. And then right. you look on the uh, next to the next to that one. You're like, but for a hundred dollars more, you can get this upgraded version. It's right. faster and faster. And then you the look, subscription. You're like, yeah. Oh, the 2023 model, which is like seven times faster, is only five dollars more than that previous model. And you're like, ah, ah, shit. I could just get that. It's all about the steps, though. You're right. It's all about the steps because by the time you're like, you each step is five dollars. But by the time you get to the top of the flight of stairs, you're like, wait a minute. This is seven hundred dollars more than I planned to spend on a phone. Nobody's today. better at doing that than Apple. Oh. They're the masters. And Disney's right there. Yeah, that's impressive. Right there is like, eh, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, might as well. Just might as well, know. just a little step further. A little further. Yeah, it's true. Um, and then we got some cotton candy. Yeah, which you, you don't want cotton candy. Which we identified both as you described it as garbage, as a concept, but also it's, it's it, it it is. Of all the food trickery, it's the highest form of dark art. The trickery. highest form of trickery. I would probably say that one package of sugar equates to one bag of cotton candy, which is probably like a cent it's to not, make it's one cent. I, I, listen, I have made I've made cotton candy in a cotton candy machine before. It's about. I mean, just to be legitimate, it's probably about a half a cup of sugar for like a big poofy all right. thing. It's like half a beat. Okay. <laughs> And I was just like, oh my God, for $8.99? Jesus. Yep. I already mentioned last time we went, we had to buy those damn bubble machines. Genius. And then they have uh, the bubble I, refills. I, I, again, like I admire the, just the, the, the entire ecosystem yep. of Disney. Yeah. And thank, thank God there are overlords. And then there's like incredible FOMO. Like Dave had to buy two bubble machines. Because if just one of the little little guys had a bubble machine, it was not going to fly. Yeah, so I did dawn on me because Grace bought it. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to feel bad because now <laughs> Keith was looking you know at it. it. So I was like, Uncle how, Dave had to buy one for Keith. You know how fast it dawned on you, actually? Like, So we were all on a ride and then and Grace happened to buy uh, uh, Hugo this bubble bubble machine. You walked up. You didn't even get with it. Like you, you just identified the problem from like twenty five feet away as you were walking up to the group. And you're like, "Oh shit, Keith needs a bubbler." <laughs> you just like turned on your heels and went and got one for, for little Keith. I'm gonna say probably the highlight of the day was a concoction that was very similar to Momofuku uh, Bang Bar. They make flatbreads at the what's it called, the Rhombus Cantina in Star <laughs> Wars Land. Should be a Disney Imagineer. Ronto Roasters, I believe. Ronto Roaster. So they take this flatbread and then they take a uh, like a chicken apple sausage, which is very important because they're not using uh, o- Oga's Cantina, excuse me. Uh, but as Rampa's Roaster was the name. 
but they take it's not a pork sausage because it has to be available to everyone. It's like some kind of chicken yeah. vaguely seasoned with something other stuff with uh with like uh shredded coleslaw and slices of very dried turkey breast wrapped up with mayonnaise. And I gotta say, shockingly delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they basically had opened a, a, a space bong bar, but sure. So I bought four of those for sixty plus dollars. <laughs> what is the? Let me ask you this, though, Cheng. Did you find? I, I was surprised by this. So it's it's basically like you said. It's a it's a roll. It's a wrapped up flatbread with a sausage coleslaw. Did you find that slice of turkey breast in there unusual? What is the slice of turkey breast doing in there? I don't know, but I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> It gave a nice texture. It had nothing to do with turkey and everything to do about the textural chew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I thought it was great. I think there's something about that. I'm saying, what I'm saying is like a little slice of deli meat inside of your roll up with more meat, pretty good option. But I think the highlight for me was Chris was mostly excited to go to the Star Wars ride. It's and um, Hugo finally just made the height limit. So it was Hugo, myself. Our better halves decided to wait behind, and we went with Ruby and Chris and waiting line and halfway in this line because the ride was down most of the day. And then uh, we're getting there. We're halfway through. And the way it's, I don't even know how to do, I don't even know how they built this thing because it is like Star Wars world. It's like you're on Tatooine. And, um, you know, they, 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 they just do this natural curvature in the rock so it's it's like you're getting culled in cattle because you don't know exactly where you're going <laughs> like you're getting sidewinded in um and then hugo's like scary get me out of here there's no way getting out the only way out for hugo was through there was just no way <laughs> literally yeah and then um right when we're about to enter the the star wars thing whatever it's called the ride I think he finally understood that it was, I think you explained to him it was pretend. And then he's like, everybody, it's pretend. <laughs> this was amazing. He was scared. like, he was getting scared. And then, yeah, we were like, Hugo, it's just pretend. And he was like, oh, this is pretend. <laughs> like, it literally occurred to him at that moment. He was like, oh, this is hilarious. And then we get in this ride and um, it's, it's great. Production value is top notch. Unbelievable. Fast forwarding, we're sitting down in the ride and, um, you know, I don't even know how to describe it, but it gets pretty loud and I'm holding Hugo's ears over. His, so, so it's not too loud. And then I can dip my elbow over his eyes if it gets a little too, 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 too intense. <laughs> and uh, it's so loud. I can't hear anything. And I see him and what I see, uh. what it looks like to me is, ah, <laughs> it looks like joy. <laughs> right his uh, mouth is open his eyes are open and he's like ah i think that he's laughing and he's like this is the best i'm loving this <laughs> we get to the end of it and the music and all the you know basically over we don't hear him laughing we hear him mom He's screaming at the top of his lungs, and he was not laughing. He was in sheer terror, which is like the worst situation a human can be in. Everybody yeah, around that's my quick like, parent corner. I'm father of the year. <laughs> the other funny thing that happened on that ride was, uh, you know that thing sometimes when you go to the airport and you check in, you show them your ID, you show them your boarding pass, you go through security, and then they like check your boarding pass again at the gate, and you're like, what the hell do you think happened between like the like the security check in here? They like 
like Dave said, Hugo just barely cleared the the height line this time, or he was he was he was tall enough. They checked him three more times between like the first and they told me oh, we're going to check him again. I'm like, he's not going to get shorter. <laughs> he's not going to shrink between then and here. I mean, I don't know. It's very strange. So I was, we were wait, getting to 3 p.m. so we could see the parade, which to me, Grace has never done any kind of psychedelics before. And they were watching the gingerbread men and the walk, dancing, prancing reindeers. And I was like, this is basically like chipping your balls off. I mean, it was so surreal. Um, very, very weird. And I kept on thinking how difficult that job must be to like dance around as an elf to do that two times a day and be excited about it. And if I had to do that job, I wouldn't, I would be fired immediately. Even if I was one of those cast members that has totally covered, like in a gingerbread suit, <laughs> my body language would clearly be like, this motherfucker hates this job. <laughs> it's so true, hard. man. The, especially those like elves with no caught, like just like your face out there. There's nowhere to hide because you're being viewed from every single angle by tens of thousands that of people. Goddamn song. <laughs> Hell on earth. And then we got stuck in It's a Wonderful World. It's a small world. Small world or whatever the hell it was. It was a 35-minute ride of hell. (laughs) That was the scariest ride of the day. We were trapped in there in some kind of log jam for legitimately 35, 40 minutes. Just sitting there in one room, never leaving. It was not nice. Just breathing in chlorinated water, listening to jingle bells (laughs) over and over again, watching. But Hugo was having a good time. The scariest part is hearing the the sound of the little robotic puppets. You can hear their, their, their little ungreased hinges moving. And if you just look around, it's a gymnasium. It's like a bar mitzvah room. <laughs> it's just a generic. You know, it's like they're going to clear it all out at the end of the night, and that's where they host the bar mitzvah and the quinceaneras and <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, God, it was so busy. It's amazing. I, I just love the business model. That's what I love. I go there to study the business of it all. I didn't give a shit really about the, the Disney lore. I was just like, these guys are fucking amazing at this. Um, anyway, I had to take a call at 3 p.m., and they go to see this dancing parade or whatever the hell it was. Anyway, I sit down, I meet them. And if you use the app, you can actually locate things pretty well. I can't believe I found them. And then they, Chris had, I, I walk up and I see Chris gnawing on a giant turkey leg. And I was like, this motherfucker did it. And he's like, oh, I bought you one too. I have to say that I think this turkey leg is unequivocally the worst food you could possibly eat. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of thing you need to eat without a shirt on, sitting <laughs> But you know, sitting in a room by yourself. So, so you to know? be fair, this was your first turkey leg. This is this is uh, we we got some inside intel from like a Disney uh, regular Disney insider who told me that there's only one turkey leg stand in the whole park that serves a barbecue turkey leg. So all the other ones are just like a smoked turkey leg. And I was like, well, I have to have that. So this is a turkey leg that is. Not just coated in barbecue sauce, just like it was absolutely good. Listen, drenched. I like dark meat. It was really good. I'm just saying it was a messy. It's a little curious that the they're not. I don't. I'm pretty sure the rest of these turkeys get sold to your smoked turkey uh, breast deli meat. Dude, you know they, what I mean? They, they go to Ronco because if Roasters these turkey legs, the if these turkey filling. legs, if these turkey legs ha- were attached, if you saw the size of these turkeys, it would be a. 40 pound bird. Yeah, there's obviously there's like a 37 pound bird. These are the birds that you cannot, that don't make it to the grocery store. They're the ones that have been so genetically like enhanced that they can't even walk. I mean, they're they're just huge. 
and ripping hot. It was so hot. And I have asbestos-like hands. I was like, how does someone eat this? And then it's covered in paper. And next thing I know, I'm putting it on the ground. And Grace is getting <laughs> mad at me because I'm making a mess. And I'm like, this is the only way to eat this. And I'm eating this thing. And I didn't even know there's you got to take the fucking bones out of the leg. It, it, it was tasty for what it was because it can't go wrong with the nice parts of dark meat. But I have to say, that's one of the worst inventions for food of all time. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I don't need, I still don't understand the history of the pickle and, you know, we didn't eat the Dole Whip because Chris was like, I can't believe you don't want Dole Whip. <laughs> um, but I just, I'm not, I just don't under, this is, again, here. I'm envious. No, how, no, no. How someone can just be like, yeah, we're selling turkey legs and you're going to eat it. Like, it's amazing. That's the thing. Okay. So you say you like to, you like Disney for like the, from the business angle. The turkey leg to me is amazing because it's like, it's the, it's the totem in Inception. It knows how, it's, it's how you know you're in reality because it's the most illogical food item to serve. Why, why in like this most uh, like sanitized and sort of like rigid system, systematic experience in the world is there like the messiest most primal gnarliest thing in the world to eat why are there giant pickles that you can eat like everything should just like middle of the road i I will say all of that said and done my son had a wonderful day he was very excited but again waking up from the car ride home he was so pissed but (laughs) i understand kids love it hugo loved it we just ate a bunch of things and uh, it was what it was (laughs) Did you feel yourself filled with a sense of wonderment and magic? No. <laughs> I did think the Star Wars thing was fucking super cool in terms of that whole area. Um, and next high. time I go there, if I don't go there with kids, I think I might take mushrooms. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. Yeah. That, that to me, would be a wonderful place to just walk around, you know, a couple caps. <laughs> I had this other... <laughs> I had this other non psychedelic related thought because we, uh, you guys, you guys, we we went our separate ways like around dinner time, and we stuck around for a little bit to get a couple more rides in, and we went across the way to uh, the California Adventure. To uh, what is California Adventure? I don't even know what the. It's fuck just that another is. whole huge park. It's another park. It's a whole another park across like the parking lot from Disneyland where they serve alcohol, and uh, I was thinking about this because you, you know you would talk all the time about just like the the surrealness of like Korean flavors, Asian flavors generally sort of like becoming mainstream in the last 15, 20 years, like the, the ingredients you see in all this. And I was just thinking in, I mean, we're in Southern California, but you know, we should get like, we should get Gustavo on to, to hear his take on this. But like, I'm walking around California Adventure. They're serving like mezcal cocktails and like quesadilla tacos and like, it's fucking bonkers. I, I mean, listen, it's always been part of the fabric of Southern California, but like the mainstreaming of those things that are like, no one had heard of fucking birria 10 years ago, unless you were a Mexican American or Mexican. Like the fact that like you walk around, there's like mezcal just at like Disneyland is insane too. Well, I think it makes, uh, I'm just going to say, cause even though I haven't been there since I was eight. So that was what 30, 35 plus years ago. I think Disney World is better than Disneyland. On what level? I mean, it's just better. <laughs> Everything's better. And plus you got Epcot Center, which is like the best. Do you like Epcot Center and the internet? I was yeah, talking yeah. to Noel about this. And then I don't have to travel. Like, so you can see the entire okay. world right there. Okay. But like legitimately, I was talking to Noel about this this morning. And like that is why it is that way. Because like a lot of people don't 
travel internationally. Like Disney is the big destination. So like the yeah. taste of China, the taste of Japan, the taste of Switzerland. I, all I can say is, is the only time I went there was when I was seven or eight years old. And even all of these years later, because I've never been back, it just to me that was like, if I had to rank them, Disney World is better than Disneyland. Clearly, world is better than a land. <laughs> And that's really my justification and rationale and logic. It did me off as a Disney kid that world. Florida got world and we got land. It was fucking annoying. You're just part of the world. <laughs> We're just one land in this world. Uh, here's a question for you. Why haven't they opened like a Ratatouille restaurant? Just a little Gustav's French bistro where you serve that fake Ratatouille. You think that would work? I don't know. I don't know. I- I'm Disneyed out. Talking about Disney. But, uh, you know, it's fun. I hope to spend less time there moving forward. <laughs> I was about to say, what are you about to say? <laughs> I hope to what? <laughs> she would love that. I know I'm going to have to go back many, many times because once Gus is old enough, we're going to go. But, man, it's so busy. I just, I'm just marveling at the business of it all and just how that translates to ticket sales, merch sales. I just, ah, fuck, man, it's genius. The goddamn thing is genius. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Well... We recorded the Disney breakdown mm-hmm. remotely, but with the magic of editing, because <laughs> you are now in person. Right. The magic of transportation. We're now looking at each other face to face. Some other things that have happened on social media, everyone is just talking about this chat GPT. Uh-huh. Our good friend Priya actually wrote about recipes. No offense, Priya didn't read the article in the New York Times. <laughs> Just like you don't listen to our podcast. No, you weren't. You weren't. You weren't crossing the the picket line. No, you were doing it. Her. You were standing in solidarity with her. <laughs> That's why we didn't read it for you. So if you don't know, there's like a handful of AI um, programs that are out there. I barely know how to work one of them, but having fucked around with it, this is an interesting point in our lives. Mm-hmm. There's two things that really happened this week that I think are going to fundamentally change our lives. But today. This week to me is when I'm going to look back and be like, oh, this is the time when I can remember that, you know, let's just say the seminal moments in my life that happened uh, culturally. Cable, TV. Yep. Apple, Mac, Apple II. Remember having that? Mm -hmm. Never used AOL. So that was like gone. I didn't even understand what that was. Still don't even understand what AOL was. The first cell phones and the iPhone and the smartphone. That was pretty much in the internet. Mm-hmm. And I still don't understand how the cloud works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can tell me, but I don't think anyone truly understands. Sure, sure, sure. You know, and, and I can do a before and after. 
I remember driving from, you know, Virginia to New York City or Connecticut a lot during college and having to use a map and using maps. And I don't know how I didn't crash my car with a map like on my dashboard with Velcro with a CD player on top <laughs> that had a three second future reading so it wouldn't skip. All kinds of those things, right? Music. These are the things that happen. But I, I that has forever changed. The fact that people are using Alexa and the iHome things on Apple, like my my little nephews and nieces are just using Siri like their personal assistant, looking at me as a weirdo because I'm typing. <laughs> and it dawned on me that I do think that if you're able to use some kind of AI, and I barely understand all the things that people are using, how it can, you know, write papers or write treatments or break down synopsis into, you know, bullet points. This is, again, ping pong. Like it's Pong on Atari, something that Chris and I talked a, 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 a bit about on our Hulu Next Thing You Eat show. Like we're at the beginning phases of this. If you're an advertiser, marketer, or basically someone in Chris's craft, <laughs> you got to be a little worried. Yeah, we're dead. We're dead. You're dead. Yeah. I mean, these are the moments where it's like, okay, you're a horse and buggy. That's your job. And then goes away. Like, I, I'm just thinking that this is a seismic shift. The seed has been planted. It's going to take some time. It's cable box with TV antennas versus, you know, going completely cable free. Yeah. I mean, there's all these moments where it was the before and after. And I feel without having any education on this, that this is one of those moments. Because I was talking to a friend of mine, a teacher, teaches high school. And he was like, this is, this is going to make my life a fucking living hell. Right. Because now right. I have to suss out who's writing and who's not. It's so the website says it's. I mean, it's it's a it's an AI bot basically, mm. and it re, it can re interact with you in a conversational way. So you ask it a question, you give it an assignment, you give it a task. It's going to respond back to you as a dialogue. It says it can it can answer follow up questions, admit its mistakes, challenge incorrect premises. But in practice, like basically, you have a little chat box, and you say like, I tried this yesterday. I was like, tell me a bedtime story about a frog, and then I swear to God just an original text starts being written. And I'm reading it. I'm like, what's going to happen to the frog? <laughs> right. I'm totally invested in this. It's insane. So I think it's pretty easy. I don't want to say easy. You can map out scenarios of how it might play out for day-to-day -day existence, right? I think it's going to create a fundamental problem about, uh, is the term pedagogy? Is that it? Pedagogy? Pedagogy. Pedagogy? Right? Like that's Korean. <laughs> Where it's like, how are you going to learn? Like, I read an article in the New York Times recently about cursive just not being taught anymore. And there's an argument that writing cursive helps you memorize, whatever. The people that are saying that are probably because, like, I spent 30 years of my life learning how to write cursive. It's just a dead language. It's a dead thing. So writing papers, is that going to go away? Finding an advertiser to come up with, like, a nice little jingle. Right. Is that going to go away? Right. Well... I actually don't, I mean, I don't, I don't, I haven't written a paper about a, a book. I haven't written a book report <laughs> in 25 years. Term papers. Term papers. But like, what do you do now? Because it used to be, remember like when we were young, it'd be like, oh shit, if you can go to the store, you can get Cliff's Notes. Yeah. You can buy Cliff's Notes. In the beginning of the internet, you had those pages that like the papers that were online that right. gave you a start. I'm pretty sure that they're going to make this... So it's smart to your writing styles, right. to your sort of preferences, and it's going to make it seem like it's you. 
right, right now, I think <laughs> there's a small window where you, if you're a student, you could arbitrage this to your favor before people catch on the teachers. But I think by the time that happens, the technology probably in a few months is going to get pretty, pretty, pretty smart. Right. to the writer. Because right and, now it's just like sort of mocking things. Like so if you were if you were to say like, write me a term paper on whatever, that you can read it. I can read it at least and be like, this sounds like uh, an, an, an imitation of a human. <laughs> like it doesn't, not because the grammar's wrong or anything. The grammar's actually perfect, but it just sounds like, oh, this sounds like a, 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 an out of the box human that you bought at a store. Now, if I were to like upload a bunch of stuff that I wrote and like my style and my conversational speech and said like, tailor this so it sounds like me, like that's like you're saying. If that's already, so put it this way, if you use Spotify or any kind of data that you give to another company where they can better sort of match your advertising, right? Like, right. It it is just like around us already. Yeah. Where things are being tailored, you don't even know it. It was like, I think it was in a minority report where each person was walking past an ad, but it's what they're seeing is unique to them. It's going to be a little bit like that. And I, I I don't even know what that means. Like, it, is writing a paper that's going? I don't know what's going to happen. Right. If you can have someone write a paper, how do you t- how do you judge if that's real or not? Or at the very least, what I would have done if I'm just trying to get a C minus and a C plus in class, this is like that's me. That would have been amazing. Right. So like, okay, now I have to. It took me five seconds to write this paper. It's going to take me another five minutes to make it seem like I actually wrote this paper mm-hmm. by fucking it up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is an example. Of, I remember being a freshman in college in this art class where we paid this guy, great artist, to make, I know I've told the story, this amazing Buddha-like figure for Buddhist art. Clearly, it was clear that we didn't fucking draw this uh-huh. as a group project. So we erased the head a little bit poured coffee on it we burned the edges to make it look like stupid <laughs> so stupid it's so stupid you know so that would be my attempt at these term papers but basically i don't know what's going to happen so the whole genre of writing i think is going to change school is going to have to change how mm. we teach i think are going to have to change so like, I- i'm only talking about this not because i'm an expert but in <laughs> reference to sort of like our world of food one of the examples was we were the very first restaurant to take all of our reservations online and own it outright. Right. And you can see variations of that in talk right now. People were really upset. One of my friends who's a well-known uh, founder slash tech figure that's created something very important that we all use, he was telling me about something that he created just for his own like dining out purposes, a, a, an AI reservation bot hmm. that gives him the ability Mm-hmm. to like arbitrage times and to get reservations wherever he wants all the time. Right. I, it's so complicated what he was trying to explain to me. And I said, he's like, but you don't need it, Dave, because you're going to get reservations. But I do. Right. And what he was trying to explain to me made no sense because it was so technical. I was like, I'm I, sorry, dude. I don't. Right. And it's not like he can tell people he's working on this because it's so niche. How is this? going to change food. So if we've already assumed that social media, pictures, Twitter, et cetera, has changed our ability to take down gatekeepers, reservations, everything has been automated to some degree. How is this? It's not going to be, maybe it is ChatGPT. It's probably going to be something else. Something's going to happen where it's going to change how we eat. And we talked about this in the Hulu show mm-hmm. a little bit. 
Well, what's interesting, well, I mean, I think, okay, on the most basic level, there's multiple things, right? Like you talk about the reservation system. You and I were at Disneyland the other day and we talked about, I told you about this, like last time I went there, my friend was like, oh, it's impossible to get reservations uh, at any restaurant at Disneyland unless you go on Discord and go to like the Disney bot. There's an AI just scanning for reservations and you just like jump on it when they're available. That's one thing. That's going to drive us, interesting for me, like that's going to drive us backwards technologically in a lot of ways because like restaurants are going to be like, fine, no more <laughs> online reservation systems because it's too gamed. Now you've got to like call us and make a reservation. On like the other end though, like what what I think you talked about on the Hulu show and what's like worrying about this to me is like, like I said, if I input something into chat, chat GBT and say like, send, like write something back for me, it's not going to be like an E.E. E. Cummings poem. It's not going to send me back some like wild experimental avant-garde writing. It's going to give me what is like a perfect summation of where the red fern grows or whatever my book report is. Now, the same goes for when we talked on the Hulu show, it was about like, hey, my my in-home assistant is going to like suggest a, a restaurant for us. It's going to suggest something we cook, but it's going to kind of like take the average, right? The average will be the baseline and it'll drive us toward this average thing. It's going to say, hey, everybody likes tomato sauce pasta, right? Like that's, that's, that's what the data tells me as an artificial intelligence. And therefore, like, I will drive you in that direction. Like that's going to take any, any shape or form, but like, that's, that's one concern I feel over, over like AI's place in food. When we were doing some of those, um, I had an idea when we were running Ondo and Maple that when people were swiping through, like it was Tinder to, to find the food that they wanted. All you needed to do is look at the data. If someone ordered salads four days in a row, yeah, it should put forth, hey, you've been healthy all four days. Now it's Friday. Right. Eat a cheese stick. Right. That basically happens now anyway. That was like six, seven years ago. This is now happening when you look at any of these ordering apps. They're tracking everything. All your data is there. And it's giving you recommendations. No different than a Spotify song. Check this out. Sometimes I'm like, whoa, the Spotify thing is amazing. Right. Can't believe it's got the B side that I was looking for. Right. I almost guarantee without understanding anything about technology or this, everyone's going to have their own assistant like her with Spike Jones, but it's going to be like, hey, where should I eat tonight? And we talked a little bit on the Hulu show where things are going to be almost like the culinary singularity in your kitchen, where your pantry is going to be smart with your refrigerator. It's going to know that, hey, instead of going out to dinner, Chris and his wife are coming over tonight. Instead of going out to the restaurant that I told you to, you know, I see that Chris and Jamie are both reading this cookbook. Right. And they've earmarked this page many times and they've gone back to it. You can see that when you watch YouTube now, yeah. this is the most replayed clip. All yeah. right. So all that data is going to be there and it's going to suggest to me, hey, actually, you have the 90% of those ingredients in your kitchen right now. I can move this meeting so you can get home. And actually, it's going to save you time if you just cook this, this, and this. And why wouldn't you? Or it could be another thing. It's like, actually, you know what? This party of, you had a party of four, but now we see that this fifth person is coming. What reservations can you get in right. this area for someone that fifth person that's a pescatarian and is gluten-free and this, this, and this. And it's going to have all the restaurants that have the capacity to do this for seating, for fun, all these things. It's going to become instant. And that's what's going to happen. And it's no different when I search for movies on Fandango or something like this, or if I have to wait for anything now, and if I see the like loading screen, I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
It wasn't that long ago when I was 19 years old, I'd spend all day in front of a computer just to see, you know, sports scores. I think it's inevitable that we're going to have some kind of assistance that gets us exactly tailored food that we want, right. where we want to eat all the time. Right. I mean, I think that's 100% true. And I, here's the question. I think a lot of people, I think the majority of people, even if they pretend like that sucks, would hear that and be like, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> I just put, what are some great restaurants that I should eat near me downtown tonight? Bestia, Redbird, Otium, Bacal Mercat. This is in major, chat, Yeah, Major Domo, uh, major Domo uh, Daiko Yu, uh, uh, Sushi Gen. These are all here. They're great. Yeah. But again, like, this is just random. Right. Once it knows you. Once it gets to know, it's going to be really good. So the question then is, what happens? Well, the, the question is, so in, in Eat a Peach, I forget how you phrase this, but you talk about, like, fighting your, your default setting, right? Like, that's what you're all about, is fighting your default setting. And I think that it's going to be harder and harder to fight your default setting. No, one, now, no one's going back to writing cursive. No, no, one one, no one's using maps to navigate cars anymore. It's just like social media, though, in the sense that, like, social media is incredible in the way it is, like, it, it has accelerated communication it has connected us all to information much 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 faster but like the the negative effect is the same that's going to be here which is like we've created bubbles around ourselves we have we have created echo chambers for ourselves where we only take the input we want to hear and that's gonna be the same thing when it's like your preferences when like the when the easiest thing is to live by your preferences and never try to do something against your preferences or be forced out of your comfort zone like that's that's to me what I worry, and maybe some people will say, like, whatever, just tell the AI to, like, push you to do something different on Fridays. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that's a moot point. So I, I just wanted to take this time to, like, sort of plant the seed that this is not just game over. We are never going back to, I got to look at uh, some food media site to give me some recommendations. So if the democratization of food has eliminated a lot of the gatekeepers. Well, the existing gatekeepers are no longer going to be useful in a pragmatic way anymore. Not that there won't be. And I think there's an, there's a, there's actually an antidote to this, which I'll get to in a second, but it's now going to be personal. I, the fact that I'm seeing my nephews and niece use Siri as their own assistant already scheduling stuff on their phone. And they're like 10, 11 years old. This is just how the next generation is going to use everything. Right. It's going to get so smart. When I look at Amazon, it's like, hey, it's time for you to get this oil. I was like, shit, how does it know? And I check, I'm like, fuck, amazing. Right, right. The thing is, the thing is like, the difference that you're pointing out though, is you and I recognize that as amazing. You and I are like, damn, that's fucking crazy. Like, you've seen our kids. It's going to eliminate a whole shit ton of jobs. Yeah, but our kids will have, be none the wiser. They yeah. have no reference point for like, well, that's crazy. So how it's going to change how we go out to eat where, the, again, the only one of the, there's many things I want to talk about here, but the gatekeeping is going to change and shift. So the gatekeeper is the AI with your own sort of cache of fucking data. Mm -hmm. Okay. From a recipe point of view, this brings me back to that time where I, and I spoke about this, I think I wrote about in the book. When I met this former head of engineering at NASA that had this social media site that says, I'm going to be able to recreate your intuition. And, and I'm like, fuck you. And I think we're years and years and years away. We sort of explore that again the next thing you would on Hulu. But this is a start. Yeah. This is a start. Like writing recipes, if, 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 if it's going to be able to tailor where and, when I, where and what I want to eat at any given time, it's 
going to be able to have all of this data from every single fucking person that's also going to know, like, you, these people don't listen to Celine Dion. They listen to Pavement or whatever the fuck. And then I'm immediately put in this bucket, like we're, uh, like a, like we're just a binary number in an algorithm. Right. We're going to be like, hey, these are the recipes you should be making. So I think it's going to change what we cook at home. Right. I, I mean, yes, I think it's going to change it within reason. So, I mean, I, I may have told this story before, but like I wrote, a, I wrote an introduction to one of my uh, a book like years, like a few years ago where I was talking about the differences between people. And I was like, look, listen, our preferences define us. For instance, like you might care about golf, whereas like I don't give a flying fuck about golf whatsoever. Right. Like that was where I was at that point in my life. Like in the inner, in the interim, like I've decided, like, I want to take up golf as a sport and like, I play it now and I really like it. But like that, that ability to be wrong about what you thought. And like one of your favorite things in the world, which is to be wrong about an assumption you had of something that was uh, the quality of something, whether something was fun or delicious or whatever. I'm nervous about how hard it's going to be to prove yourself wrong in the future. Like if I say, if I tell AI today, I don't give a shit about golf. I hate golf and I never want to think about golf. Like everything around me is going to be designed to like reinforce that. Scary. Right. I mean, I don't know. Is it though? Like, are we just scared? Cause this is what we come from. Cause we see but, too many sci-fi movies. Part of me is wondering, well, our friends, Jonah Nolan and, and Lisa Joy, the founder, the creators of Westworld sort of like talked about this. It's like, you sort of have to be the anomaly. Yeah. So. I don't know. I think you're going, I don't know what's going to happen because that comfort's there. You're going to have to sort of unplug to discover. And, and, and that show is sort of prescient because, you know, I think season three where people find out their entire livelihood has already been determined mm-hmm. by percentages that you're going to do X, Y, and Z by this age. How different is that already? Mm-hmm. If you're from this socioeconomic background and this fucking neighborhood, oh, yeah. you're going to go to these schools and then you're going to go to this college. You're probably going to get this kind of job and then you're going to associate with these kinds of people. It's already happening. Right. And it already happens in food. These food writers write about these same restaurants. Occasionally they'll try to write about something diverse to seem like they're fucking with the fucking times. This restaurant's going to put these kinds of dishes on the menu, you know, and serve this. Mm-hmm. And these are the diners that are going to be at this kind of, it's already happening. Mm-hmm. So I don't, part of me is, is like the meta question is all of this is, this is only just bringing it so it's clear and present. I mean, the question for me is like, yeah, it's, it is absolutely hundred percent happening. I mean, whatever, without getting into like, this is, this is the basis of everything. This has been the basis and the goal uh, as a society for a while, like whether we're talking about like racial profiling as like a law enforcement tool or, you know, our, one of our video producers, Ira was telling me one of his, the jobs he worked for like 10 or 15 years ago was for an ad agency that was like, let's make ads that are sort of completely, uh, uh, divorced from like location and they can air in 45 different, if you're a dentist in any zip code in the United States, this ad will work so long as we throw your name in there. And I feel like this gets distilled in the kinds of restaurants that are opening because Honestly, we're sort of using this already without even admitting to it. All the restaurants are sort of the same. Yeah. Same category, some version of Italian steakhouse, Mm -hmm. you -hmm. know, Italian food, this Japanese food, that mining some obscure thing that we'll probably talk about a little bit that might be popular is like a good percentage chance. Right. So this culinary arbitrage thing doesn't really exist anymore because it's all 
And that's what I mean. Like, what do we do when everything's already like laid out there? Which is why I'm 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 really an advocate for people trying to open up things that are against the norm. This is not what you're supposed to do. I mean, here's here's the question. Like when we when we first started, when we did this podcast three years ago, we talked about Demolition Man, right? Like Demolition Man is a version of this. Everything is sort of a uh, 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 tailored to you. Those people all look pretty happy. <laughs> like they all look pretty happy. Which is why when I think about the, I don't even know if it's a calendar year, when I think about best restaurants, one of my picks for the restaurants that I love the most and I cherish the most because it's so fucking bonkers insane is Yangban Society. Mm -hmm. And again, I I find it funny now that people are now like really talking about it and they want to go there, which is great, but it shouldn't take this long for people to see that they're doing something different. And I think doing different is so scary. It's so hard. But I think. This is actually going to make it very clear to people. I almost feel weirdly optimistic that if everything becomes homogenized, then it's only going to encourage people to do things that they're not supposed to do. Right. I, I think that I think that that's true. I think that if you see, if you play around with chat, I've been I've been sitting here typing in things like, "How would you describe a great pizza?" Like, <laughs> what makes a great restaurant? And you read like what this thing says back to me. I'm like shit like that what does it say so if i wrote like what i wrote what should i cook for my sichuan mother-in-law if you're looking to cook something for your sichuan mother-in-law a good option would be to make a traditional sichuan dish sichuan cuisine is known for its bold flavor so be sure to use plenty of chili peppers and sichuan peppercorns in your dishes like honestly maybe it doesn't have very much personality but like that's about as clear of an understanding as most people have well, yeah it's giving you, <laughs> to, it's giving you the, to the, the, the core of what right. what you need to know Dishes include mapo tofu kung pao chicken or twice cooked pork yeah, or you can make a dish with a Sichuan style hot pot. Like that's a bunch of true information right there, you know. And it's situational where I don't have to go wait for a magazine to give me something that might actually, you right. know, resonate with me. Exactly. So, if I'm, I guess what you're saying is like, can can this sort of leveling effect, seeing what it looks like when we're like, the AI is a reflection of us, right? I forget who said this. Like, it, uh, maybe it was Lisa and, and Jonah, but they're like, the AI is always a reflection of its creator, or maybe somebody in the show. But it's like, that's true. It's a reflection of us. And it's like, when I read this, I'm like, this is a fucking parody of us. It's like a mockery of us. And if I see my shit described this way as a creative person, it does make me want to be like, oh, I need to, I need to push the envelope. I need uh, to push. Uh, I don't know who or what, but the next thing, the next food thing is, I think you're going to say bye-bye to a lot of the traditional food news sources. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe they maybe they thrive, but I, this is very strange. <laughs> and how you dictate the, the reason again, just to stress, this eliminates the current gatekeepers that we have. I think. Could I? I am I wrong? Clearly, I could be. I'm just throwing it out there. Well, how do you mean this eliminates the gatekeepers? Because you think like the this because it empowers someone to be their own gatekeeper. Hmm. I don't know how far away we are, but maybe I don't think we're that far away from this happening. I think we're closer than that fucking nuclear fusion reactor. That well, I wanted to, to talk about that too. I was like, were you excited? That's pretty cool. I was like, fuck. I was like, here's what I thought. I was like, oh shit. Technology is just going to save us, isn't it? <laughs> it's just going to save the day. I called a, one of my friends that knows this stuff and he's like, this is big. It's big, right? It's pretty big. He's, he's like, it's so big. It's so hard to understand that you don't understand it. Right. And neither does the media. Yeah. <laughs> but like at its core they pulled off 
fusion and created 1.2 times the amount of energy as a result from what well it's pretty simple it's free energy they can turn on a switch effectively and the amount of energy that goes into starting it putting it in they get more energy coming out right and again the theory is complete now it's just like building the fucking infrastructure around that so we'll probably be long dead by the time that's fucking happens but it's like well right you know real skynet shit i mean you know, I kept on as as somebody who has like done a bunch of sort of like climate stuff and and been concerned with the environment. I've always just been like, and like read Drawdown and all these things. I'm just like, yes, we do need to be better. We need to be like more responsible and engaged as humans. We need to do this and that and the other thing. And then like part of me when I read this news is like, I was just kind of like, well, shit, <laughs> just gonna have a solution that doesn't require us to be better people. Like that's probably the worst possible outcome. Like we can just all continue to be assholes so long as we spend the requisite amount of money to like. I'm just so out. happy they're smart fucking people in this world. God, I'm so happy they're smart people. Scientists, I'm so happy I don't know any of you. You should never defile your intelligence with dumb motherfuckers like me. So happy. I know. It's pretty amazing. I don't right? even know where Livermore Institute is. Well, I thought it was actually in Scotland. It's uh, it's it's in my old neck of the woods. Ah, my old neck of the woods. It's where the Hulk escaped in the Ang Lee movie, I think. Um, but yeah, man, like there's some crazy shit happening. Like, I, clearly, this is. I don't know how long this shit's been going on. The AI stuff, whatever. But this is where I feel like it's now percolated into the zeitgeist of our, our, like our our kids and the people we associate. You're gonna see. I'm sure there's gonna be a thousand fucking competitors popping up anytime soon and again the nerds are going to win again but maybe like 50 years from now people are going to be like that was a huge day i mean it feels it certainly feels the livermore institute thing is something that i don't even understand <laughs> it, it feels like i don't understand the cloud but i do understand the science and fusion the, the 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 textbook i can give you a textbook analysis of what happened in the Livermore Institute. Let me just type that into chat GPT <laughs> I was real just quick. Saying, explain fusion to me. <laughs> <laughs> My understanding of the fusion of fusion comes from that Val Kilmer movie, The Saint. Mm. Elizabeth Shue. Ooh, Elizabeth Shue. Wonderful. I typed into chat GPT, explain fusion to me. Should I read a selection yeah. of my, the response I got? Fusion refers to the blending of different culinary traditions or styles to create something new and unique. Um, fusion cuisine can be a fun and interesting way to explore new flavors and combinations I, I typed in tell me about I should read this tell me about the Hulu show Chefs vs. Wild that's our show <laughs> Chefs vs. Wild is the Hulu original series that follows celebrity chefs Alton Brown and Tyler Florence as they embark on a wild culinary journey, journey around the world <laughs> The show pairs the chefs with survival experts, and together they must forage, hunt, and harvest their own food in the most extreme environments. From the frozen tundra of the Arctic Circle, to the jungles of Colombia, to the deserts of New Mexico, the chefs and their guides must rely on their wits, strength, and ingenuity to survive. Along the way, the chefs will take on physically and mentally challenging tasks facing off against wild animals and confronting their own culinary prejudices. Okay. <laughs> okay. Again, just as a reminder, that has just sprung from its mind. And honestly, probably a better show than ours. <laughs> I would watch that shit. That's fucking hilarious. Um, speaking of AI, this is not something I'd ever thought I'd talk about because I barely have an understanding of it. But I did take a class that changed my life and it was advanced logic. 
barely understood by me as a 22-year-old college student. <laughs> and now being explained. And you. I don't know what happened in AI or um, sentient uh, computing at all. Since 1999, I have no idea. <laughs> so this could be not only just dated, but also extremely poorly understood to begin with from a 22-year-old me perspective, 23 years ago. So there's a theory that we will never get to a place where machine learning will actually have consciousness mm -hmm. because of the girdle incompleteness theorem, mm -hmm. which I'm not going to state to you because I can't remember it word for word. But basically it proves paradoxes and formal systems. Uh -huh. And if it's a formal system, including root, the most rudimentary math, mathematics, then you can't build anything advanced that can't like see itself. Because part of the girdle's theorem, the numbers, the girdle numbers is you're able to see it in the number in this equation. And it was like a decoder ring that girdle made where in your mind's eye, you can actually see it like a, a paradox happen where because you're alive and a human being with consciousness, you can sort of see outside yourself. If this makes any sense, mm -hmm. but this is legitimately like logic and science. And it's a very mystical thing uh, that some people extrapolate. And they say, because of that, because you're alive, this is something that machines will never be able to do. Sure. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but now I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> this fucking chatbot's here. Because this chatbot just convinced me that somebody's fucking alive. Because that's a really good fucking story between <laughs> Tyler Florence and Alan Brown. They don't even know. Typhoon. In another universe, they're battling each other. <laughs> that's a real uh, on the tundra, the frozen yeah. tundra. Ty Flo and Alton Brown, just give us a call. We'll make that. We'll make that versus wild celebrity chef edition. Um, let's just do one quick thing, and we'll get get you out of here. How do I? How to explain girdles to a child? <laughs> girdles incompleteness theorem is a big, big idea. So it can be tricky to explain to a child. Here's one way to do it. Girdle's incompleteness theorem says that some problems are so complicated that even the smartest computers can't figure them out. In other words, no matter how hard we try, we can't solve every problem. That is why Girdle's incompleteness theorem, that is what Girdle's incompleteness theorem is all about. I think it needs to explain it to someone dumber. <laughs> anyway, uh, give us five stars, however you rate this. Thank you, Disneyland. Thank you uh, to our AI overload or overlords. Um, five stars, however you rate, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.